Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part series, I visit with Jerry Coyne. Jerry is the Managing Director of State Monitoring Services at Affiliated Monitors. We consider the use of monitors by state attorneys general. In part one, we take a look at the role of state AGs as enforcer, in part two, the reaction to the big tobacco settlement and criticism of state attorneys general. Part three, the multi-state settlements in the post-tobacco era. Part four, challenges of multi-state litigation today. And part five, we take a look at the road ahead. It's a fascinating series. I know you will enjoy it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. In this episode four, we take a look at the challenges in multi-state litigation today for attorneys generals going forward. It's a fascinating question that we posed to Jerry, and I know you will enjoy the discussion. This special five-part series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode of our five-part exploration of the use of monitors by state attorneys general uh, with Jerry Coyne, the uh, Managing Director of State Monitoring Operations at Affiliated Monitors. Jerry, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. So, Jerry, uh, today I wanted to visit with you about some of the challenges of multi-state litigation today. Um, this, uh, I would have to say, in my professional career, has evolved as much as any other type of litigation that I have seen. So I was wondering if you could give us a few thoughts about really the evolving state of multi-state litigation. Well, Tom, uh, multi-state litigation is here to stay. As we've been talking about now for the last couple of sessions, um, there has always been multi-state litigation on at least some level, but it, re- it was not until the tobacco um, litigation in ni- that resolved in 1998 where the states, for the first time, really re- appreciated just how large and how powerful they, they could be if they worked together. One of the things I think we have to remember, you talk about it being around, it's really only been around though for about 25 years at this level. And although multi-state, multi-state litigation is growing and is developing, one of the things that's kind of uh, maybe slowing some of that development is there is a regular and large turnover in state attorneys general's offices at the top level. In fact, only one attorney general today remains um, that was a signatory to the Master Settlement Agreement in 1998. That's Attorney General Tom Miller in Iowa. Every other attorney general has changed. So that 
this is an evolving process. Uh, there has been a challenge, I think, on the state side to maybe learn the lessons that need to be learned. And I think if you had maybe a little bit more continuity on the state side, those lessons would be learned um, maybe a little quicker. But they are changing. Um, there have been a number of changes, and they continue to, so that it is an evolving process. Jerry, uh, and that really leads to my next question, which is what has been the process and how is that process evolving now? First challenge, Tom, that people had um, in multi-state litigation was coming in the wake of all of this, how do you make a decision? And I think anybody who's ever tried to make decisions in a group knows that decision-making can be a challenge, and anybody that's tried to get lawyers to make a decision knows that's even harder. So when you talk about multi-state litigation, what you're trying to do is to get a number of states um, to come to some agreement. And even among the states, there has never been a universally accepted method of doing that. Um, the smaller states, I think, would be very happy with a one-state, one-vote. So Rhode Island would get the same vote as Texas or California. Um, other states, and in, in the tobacco case, um, this was one of the issues, was the decisions were made based on kind of a weighted share where um, the bigger states where there were more people who were victims and more damages, um, they seemed to have more of a decision-making ability in terms of bringing a, a settlement and some other decisions. One of the problems has always been, or challenges, has always been how do you even get the states on the same page? What has emerged now is a process where each multi-state is run by what we refer to as an executive committee. So how does that work? Well, that, it's an interesting process, Tom, and it's um, a little bit of an ad hoc process. Normally what happens is that the states themselves will identify um, who should be on that committee, and it tends to be the states that have the most resources, they may have the most experience and candidly the most talent um, in this particular area who come together and form a, an executive committee, which really takes the lead in terms of managing that particular multi-state. Now, to be fair, at any one time, you may have uh, close to 100 multi-state actions um, pending. So there's a lot of different executive committees. And with that, you can see how even the, the best um, staffed case, the best staffed states do have challenges in keeping up with all of that. So you really need the states to come together. Sometimes, for example, a smaller state may get involved in a particular um, executive committee that pertained to an industry or an issue that was unique to that state. But those committees are the ones that manage the litigation, that give out assignments to other states who are participating on it, and who ultimately will be the ones coming to the table with the defendants and trying to see if a settlement is possible. So, Jerry, what about states that uh, decide not to join or uh, non-participate? You know, Tom, that's, that's been a problem. And I will tell you from somebody who worked in state attorney general's offices for a long time, one of the things I always used to be concerned about was that if we had taken a look in our office at a particular issue and decided not to join, but say 35 or 40 or 45 other states had joined, I used to get concerned about why we, why, what did we see in that case that others maybe didn't see. Um, 
so that you always kind of have a fear at the end of it. You don't want to be the one state kind of left behind when everybody else joins. Um, there are some communications challenges sometimes when different states just in the the management of uh, paper and messages, you know, may not uh, join on time because it is a deadline-driven process. But at the end of the day, like I said, going back to the Firestone case several years before, from an industry's point of view, if you have the opportunity to resolve multi-state litigation, you want to make sure that as many states as possible are on that settlement because what you don't want to do is then be subject to litigation in all those states um, that did not participate. So you're, as an industry, as a group, you tend to look for closure. The states that are on the executive committee, again, are the ones who negotiate. And in, in a lot of these cases, at the end of the day, when it comes time to settle the case, remember we talked about both money and we talked about injunctive relief or conditions going forward. In a lot of sta in a lot of these cases, the money is distributed among the states that really have done the most work on it, which tends to be the executive committee. The other states normally have an opportunity to join right up until the end, but it, it normally is an opportunity to share in the injunctive relief for the process going forward, but not in the money. So, Jerry, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time today, but I've been visiting with Jerry Coyne, the Managing Director of State Monitoring Operations at Affiliated Monitors. I hope you'll join us uh, tomorrow for uh, one of my favorite episodes where we get to look at the veiled land of the future and multi-state litigation the road ahead. Jerry, uh, thanks again for taking the time to visit with me. Thanks again, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of our five-part exploration of the use of monitors by state's attorneys general. If you need more information, check out the Affiliated Monitor website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you'll join us again for another episode in this uh, fascinating five-part series. I know you will enjoy it. This special five-part podcast series on the use of monitors by state's attorneys generals is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.